Aloha, and thank you for joining us on our exciting adventure of walking through the New Testament as a participant in a life group. Open your heart to what God may be saying to you as we endeavor not only to hear His Word, but to obey. Here now is our Bible teacher, Pastor Jim Morocco. Now John shifts gears as we look at verse 7 of chapter 4 of 1 John. And he emphasizes again the importance of love. In chapter 3, verses 23, John gave the definition of God's commandment. And it was twofold, true belief and love. And he has just got through talking about belief in the first part of chapter 4. So now he turns his attention to a clearer understanding of the importance of love. By the fact that John turns his attention to love, we see how clearly belief and love must go hand in hand. In verse 7, John assures them, his readers, of his love for, for them. And he again uses the phrase, beloved. He then urges them to love one another. Now the reason is because of the unchanging character of God. You see, God is love. Now, this is stated twice. Once in verse 7, love is of God. And then again in verse 8, for God is love. See, God is the source of all true love. And since God is love, that is that all his activity is loving activity. And those that are God's children will reflect his character in the world and therefore will love. One commentator has mentioned that the false teachers claimed to know a lot about God, but in reality they didn't know him because rather than loving those brethren who did not share their intellectual achievements, they had an arrogant contempt for them. Now, John can clearly state, because of the character of God being love, that, he says, and I quote, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. One person stated, For the loveless Christian to profess to know God and to have been born of God is like claiming to be intimate with a foreigner whose language he cannot speak or to have been born of parents whom we do not in any way resemble. Well, secondly, as John continues to look at love, he points to God's action in Christ as the example of God's love. He states, In this was manifest the love of God toward us. God's love has been clearly seen to have been expressed to us. Now, the word us is important. We are the object of God's love. The manifestation, that is the visible revelation of God's love, is in the sending of His only begotten Son. It could be translated, well-beloved son. But its usage here is a way of indicating Jesus' uniqueness. Jesus alone is God the Father's eternal son. Now this is the greatest gift God could have given. For there's no greater gift. It is the unspeakable gift as Paul would state in 2 Corinthians 9.15. Now the purpose of Jesus' is coming is so that we might live. That's the purpose of God's act of love in Christ. And what is intimated is that mankind is under the death penalty. Now this is clarified more in verse 10 when John states, He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now we talked about propitiation earlier when it was mentioned in chapter 2, verse 2, but essentially the point is this. We are under God's wrath and judgment because of our sin. But God Himself, through the person of Jesus Christ, suffered the wrath and judgment in our place. Now, 
The act, this act of God, John says, is love. This is real love. That God would condescend to love us and to go to such an extreme of giving his own son to die in our place to show his love. Well, the logical deduction of what John is saying here is seen in verse 11. God's gift of his son, the eternal proof of God's love for us, leaves us with an obligation, and that is that we are to love others. See, in viewing what God did for us, how can we then continue to live our own lives so selfishly? Well, John stretches our understanding of God's relationship with man. With not only does God love us, but in verse 12, we see that God is visibly seen in and through our loving one another. John makes the point that God is spirit and therefore, of course, invisible and no person has seen him. But the point that is drawn here, John makes this statement. He says, if we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Well, this, this is an astounding insight. Here's what is seemingly being said. John's giving us a progression of thought. God's love was clearly manifested in his son. But it is brought to perfection. God's love is brought to perfection in His people. That is, when we love each other, we are living out the ultimate purpose of God's character. Love for us, which He showed in His, in his Son. Our love for Him. And finally, our love for each other. It's like a stream, if you will, which starts with the Father and ends in our embracing in love one another. I'll be back in a moment with the application. We've only looked at a very short passage of Scripture for our life group tonight. But it's a passage of Scripture that we could spend a long time in in terms of applying to our lives. God is love. And by the very fact of that, He causes us to want to reflect His character in our everyday life. Now, we oftentimes have misconceptions of love in our world. We sometimes think love is sex. That is not so. Love is much more than sex. Love is sacrifice. Love is the giving of your life for another. Now I want to talk about marriages for a moment because I can see the principle here clearly drawn. If God's love was manifested in the fact that He sent His only begotten Son into the world and died for us, and that's the real picture of real love, then real love has nothing to do with so much emotion as it has to do with our willingness to give and our willingness to share and our willingness to support one another. When I share times in counseling with people, I have come across some real tragedies and the tragedies revolve around an immature understanding of love. We're not in love anymore, one would say. What they're actually saying, they don't have any emotional kind of relationship together that'll come and go that'll live that'll die that can always be reborn 
But the basis of love is seen here in one's willingness to give, one's willingness to share, one's willingness to lose their own life for the sake of the other. Now, if God would love us to that degree, give us such a great gift, the least we can do with attempt is to attempt to try to reflect that in our own lives because of our love for Him. Now, I don't know how that's being lived out in your life. But let me encourage you today to begin to live out that which God has made you. You see, God made you in His own image. All love stems from God's love. The very fact that you and I can even love, whether we be a Christian or not, is because of the fact that God made us like Himself. But the Christian is not moving only in the love that is normally a part of his life as a result of being made in the image of God. But he can move in a supernatural love. And you know, as well as I know, that we need supernatural love in this world. There are times when I really get upset over certain people's actions. But God has to love that person through me supernaturally. And He can do it through you. That's why I don't ever feel like it's impossible for two people who have been married that have broken up or their lives have been destroyed that they can't get back together because I know the supernatural power of God to love. If we're open to letting Him love through us. Now that is the key. And that is that we need to then live in the Spirit. Now, someone would say, well, how do I love another person? You begin to act toward them as though you really do love them. And you'll begin to find yourself loving them. Another way we can begin to see this. Well, let me just mention this. I'm sure God didn't feel really good about what he was doing in terms of sending his son. I mean, Jesus didn't appreciate being nailed to a cross. I mean, in terms of emotions, there was much hurt there. But his love wasn't seen because of his emotional feelings at the time. God's love was seen in action. So therefore, actions oftentimes reflect one's love. Now, that is not to limit the fact that we need to be emotionally involved with one another. No, but it does say, say to us that oftentimes emotions will follow our actions. And our actions will generate love in others, just as God's action has generated love in us. Now I want to close by also looking at another understanding of love, and that is the fact that God loves us. Amazing as it seems, God really loves you. He really genuinely loves you. Now, that'll make a change in your outlook on yourself. There are some people that cannot love themselves. There are some people that feel like it's hopeless to live because nobody could ever care for them. Nobody could ever love them. God loves you. Don't allow the evil one to make you think that you're not loved. You are loved. You're loved infinitely. And you cannot be loved anymore. Because God has given you the greatest gift of His love He could possibly give. You know, a third or final 
truth that comes out of this passage of application is if God would love us so much to give us his son, how much he is concerned about our everyday lives. We get so uptight at times over things. God loves us so much. Why don't you just let him love you tonight? Those areas in your life that have been hurting, let him just love you. Let him let you. Why don't you just sense his arms around you, loving and holding you, bringing healing to you? Let's pray, Father. I thank you so much for this passage on your love, Father. I know that we'll never really understand the totality of your love until we come to see you face to face. Yet you desire to perfect your love in us by allowing us to be vessels of your love as you as you flow through us to others. And by our doing that, Lord, you're going to help us to learn more and more about your love. Father, I ask that everyone in this life group will grow in a deeper relationship of love for you and for one another. Praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.